here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. I apologize for that delay. I was talking away, and then I saw Richard come back on. So today is Ascension Cosmos Oracles Day, Sunday go-to-meeting, our church meeting for the Ascension Cosmos Oracles. We have the Ascension Center Corp, and we uh, all work together as a not-for-profit in Florida and Hawaii and Georgia. And we are the sage elders of the Ascension Cosmos Oracles Corp. Now, Pastor... Knight, or R.T. Knight, or Richard Thomas Knight is Pastor Knight, and I've asked him to step up and help us today understand why we meet on Sundays and the traditions of our spiritual science metaphysicians and those who practice spirituality. We have a lot of people that are older and have some time on their hands to get to know each other, and we do that in fellowship with our souls and say that we have faith and hope for our community that we're sharing in what we call cyberspace culture and we're building our community our church online together now it's a sign of the times and we're thankful for the internet and uh, how we can communicate without having to go and meet and back in the day they all had different little towns and the churches we have more of those than a lot of these little towns around the united states of america than anything because having faith and hope and a community is very important to humanoids uh sentient intelligent beings on the planet so welcome aboard all you ground troops spinning around smartly on the planet we call home earth gaia that's what i was saying during that time that apparently i was not on so i was just talking away so, uh, you know, we're learning how to do this, and sometimes we have technical difficulties between our uh, cell phones, our laptops, and our uh, space that we have in our studio, and I uh, apologize for that little delay. But uh, today, I've asked Richard, Pastor Richard to talk, help us become better at being who we are as sage elders of our metaphysical club and our church. and how people can learn esoterics and metaphysics of the body, mind, spirit, and emotional behavior. Uh, we're seeing some bad behavior and some actors out there. Maybe we question morals and ethics, but, you know, if we have a good soul and we stand up to the the test of time as your sage elders, uh, he's uh, got some notes and going to help us. Uh, learn how to share and have education and uh, have a soul's inspiration to keep going because everybody gets down sometimes and we can say that we take one day at a time and we prepare for the worst and hope for the best. But without further ado, I've got Richard T. Knight, who uh, is of Valdosta, Georgia, prior of uh, California for all of those. You come and tune in every week. We appreciate your support. So, uh, Pastor Richard, 
you're live and on the air, and you're very quiet today. What is that about? I apologize for the delay. I was, I was talking, but my button was muted. <laughs> yeah, well, I called in, and I said hello, <laughs> hello a few times, and then I called back in, so I don't know. That may have even been recorded as well. Who knows? I don't oh, know. Who knows? But anyway, okay. yes, we come, we come together, together today to share reverence for our elders and our sages. And I shall give you a, a brief description of how these key roles have played such an important role and in inspiration in all of our lives, throughout all of our cultures, throughout all of society around the world. <laughs> Elders, of course, we are taught okay. as we're coming up as children, you know, that uh, your parents and your grandparents are your elders in your family immediately. And then, of course, if you become involved in organized religion and go to church, regardless of what church it may be, Again, you're taught that there are elders in the church, and the elders are to be respected and looked up, up to, and to go to for counsel, because they're well-versed in biblical scripture, as well as having been participants in the church, maybe even back to the day when the church itself was founded. Um, and of course, they are, very, they are good counselors, and they're well-steeped in wisdom, not only from life experience, but also from the life that they involve themselves in with the body of the church. Now, if we expand this out, of course, and go back in history and bring it forward from tribal situations and tribal culture, then of course the elders in a particular tribe, whether it be Native American or any other indigenous species or any other indigenous race around the world, the elders were also those that were respected because of their wisdom and their knowledge, and they would pass this knowledge on in stories and by sharing experiences with the tribe. And so elders have always uh, been participants in our culture as well as our uh, family units and our society in general. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of time, uh, elders get disrespected or basically kind of set aside, one could say, um, in the fact being that they're no longer looked up to when their wisdom is no longer shared as prevalently as it could be. Um, and this is kind of a shame, but again, it, it, it varies depending on our culture and depending on our society and our uh, attitude towards uh, elder persons as well as those who contain not only life experience but also have the ability to share um, mystical and magical and spiritual experiences as well from all kinds of different perspectives. So we greet, we greet all of you elders out there in reverence to this day um, for your garnered experience, your wisdom, and your cherished knowledge. And we would, of course, uh, hope that in turn that knowledge is spread about not only by your living relatives but also by your friends and then in turn by any societal connections you may have. Now, if you expand this out further and you start talking the esoteric circles or the magical circles or the occult where initiations were brought about, uh, someone, of course, would be taught uh, the mystical arts and so forth. And eventually, over time, they would gain such a state of knowledge that they would be looked upon as an elder from that point forward. And this, again, uh, is magical knowledge uh, esoteric knowledge, metaphysical knowledge, all of these various 
spiritual sciences that have been going on for hundreds of years. And the elders, of course, would basically become a board that would welcome in new initiates into their school of thought or their tradition or what have you. And so this is where elders play a, a very large part in that particular aspect of society as well. And of course you have, uh, for example, the Brotherhood of Masons, you have the Rosicrucians, you have all kinds of different well-established esoteric communities, all of which contain elders, and the elders, of course, would in turn eventually uh, choose amongst themselves who in turn would become saged. Now, if we you look at the word sage, it means someone that, again, that has garnered much wisdom. But the difference between an elder and a sage is that an elder has uh, great counsel and great wisdom and great knowledge to share. Whereas a sage basically has garnered that state because they have lived a specific period of time in life. Usually amongst earth-based religions and other cultures and societies of that nature, one must reach the age of 55. At the age of 55, they are then saged, or they are looked upon as being not only an elder containing much wisdom, but they have even gone past the wisdom of an elder to become a sage. Now, you won't find sages in all communities um, simply because uh, it's mainly an esoteric and uh, tribal community-based um, cultural thing that goes on. And like I said, it is a place, it is um, a special recognition of that given person that they have reached a specific stage in life as well as a stage in wisdom that is garnered and coveted very highly and deeply respected and therefore you know again they would share their wisdom and their knowledge and so that's how the two terms elder and sage now when you start combining the two then you're talking about a person that has already lived through a great deal of life to become an elder and they are also recognized as being a sage in their given culture or their given tradition or their given rites or their given church or their given whatever perspective of life they happen to have traveled. So uh, that's where I guess um, Teresa is coming up with elder sages. Um, <laughs> that would be a sage that of course has been a sage for a while I guess. And of course, well, it's also used in, in uh, Charmed Ones, which is one of my favorite uh, TV shows. Uh, but uh, it was used in the Fae, and, and you're very Irish, and I'm very Irish, being from the old country, and I guess it's in our blood. But, you know, there's terms around the world, and like you said, summer sage, summer elders. When I went to Japan, Richard, I, I learned uh, white hair, which I have, uh, pure white hair. But I color it to try to look younger to be American-like. But over there, they really respect their elders, and white hair is a sign of being an elder, you know. And uh, I worked with people in Hawaii of all different cultures, uh, and I noticed the Filipinos from the Philippines and the Japanese 
were uh, very respectful, as was the uh, Hawaiians. You know that I, but I never really met pure Hawaiians because they were, said they were already mixed in with so many. You know, from World War II with the Japanese and the Filipinos. But, you know, they're people of color. Uh, they're mostly, they have more melanin than the white people of the European race, like you or me. But, uh, you know, we, I would think the sage elders in our group, Ascension Cosmos Oracles, will teach nothing uh, separates us. We're all of a soul. And uh, we teach mostly the paths and the journey of your spiritual path. And the sage elders are those that you can come to in our Ascension Cosmos Oracles and our Ace Metaphysical Institute and uh, our classes and know that we will be there for advice. And we do give a lot of uh, free advice as pastors. And uh, I don't know how to separate it all other than, you know, we wear many hats as metaphysicians spiritual people. Uh, secularism, secularism is that the way you say it, is separate basically of the church and state and how we don't have to talk about politics or churches. But somewhere in metaphysical land, there's a whole different spirituality. And I don't know how to blend it all together. So ergo sage elders for us that are 55 and older, as you said, I didn't know there was a common age bracket, but... Thank you for that. Uh, can you cite your sources, or is this something we're just building today in our new reality because we take one day at a time? But is this something you can uh, remember that you read or just learned on your well, travels? This is, something, this is something that I underwent, underwent myself personally. Um, I was saged at the age of 55 uh, while I was overseas. Of course, now this was all done uh, etherically, you could say, uh, from a perspective of purely a spiritual stance, because the person's presence beside, besides my physical being were all spirits, basically. So there were no actual physical presence. However, the ceremony still did take place regardless. So as you might imagine, that's stretching out there quite a bit, because normally such ceremonies do take place amongst a bunch of physical beings, but in this particular instance, based upon my Druidic tradition, um, I was saged from the aspect being that I was then looked upon as an elder in the, in the tradition of our heritage, and that in turn uh, I had reached that age and would then in turn be promoted in knowledge and wisdom from a spiritual aspect. So that's the, the source that I am citing directly in that particular aspect is not only my own personal knowledge and experience, but also by traditions, um, if, if we start talking paganism, uh, which of course is all earth-based religions, such as uh, the craft, witchcraft, and uh, paganism in general, which covers a wide variety of different traditions and paths. But normally in those circumstances, of course, a man is saged and a woman is, becomes a crone. Uh, in respect to the goddess herself, which basically she is a maid and then a, and then a mother and then in turn a crone as she ages. Um, of course, goddesses don't normally traditionally age because they're beyond age, but for the sake of, of an understanding, do what? Right. 
You're talking our immortal souls because we believe life is eternal in our traditions. But crone, folks, C-R-O-N-E, is the old crone is like the old sage. But sage elders got to be uh, welcome for women, too. And I have to admit, my charmed ones on television use the uh, sage elders, and they, too, look forward to becoming and. At the end of the latest one, which I just binged, it changed my reality around because I had gotten my shot uh, for the pandemic, and I couldn't sleep. It affected my roof of my mouth, and I had headaches and sweats, but I couldn't sleep, so I got all turned around. But Richard helped me and told me it was okay, just go ahead and go with the flow and you know, make my videos and to uh, just go with it, but be sure and get rest. So thank you, Richard, because you were a big... Uh, Pastor Richard, on Sundays, uh, you're a big uh, help to me because sometimes, you know, we need each other to say it's okay, even if you're all turned upside down in your reality. And it was really sort of a different feeling. Even though I'm old, I'll be 70, folks. I guess I'm the senior elder, as we say in journalism anyway. I am the senior professional journalist in my spj.org group of people and in our ufo business we have uap associates but we have various groups so richard one thing i'd like to point out to people today that are listening and thank you thank you so much everybody including you in richmond i can see you over there near the capitol uh that might be uh, hugh charleston but uh people of sage elders calling and helping us and being of service uh, you know we appreciate you and uh, i'm richard we're going to have this ascension cosmos oracles as the prophet but we're starting to uh, have people uh, help us and realize we're going to be a thing so that's encouraging so we will be the sage elders one male and one female richard but you uh i know we had a show on wicco at wednesday and it was on the last minute spirit told me but now i'm curious how does one in another country i guess you're uh richard and i both done security law enforcement criminal justice and uh overseas and then he was a as a uh uh, what do you call those people that look after children what what were you uh i'm i don't have an education oh a probation officer okay towards his uh latter years before he retired from that type of service of being, a, I guess, a full-time pastor and life coach and counselor. But we also do psychic readings because that's the famous entertainment word. But a lot of people want higher level from the sage elders of our group. But uh, anyway, I just wanted you to know the charmed ones, the women were uh, – well, one became a sage elder. She passed over. But uh, that was on her mother's tombstone was sage elder, you know, so of the clan or the tribe or whatever. But uh, we've got our own group, our own tribe. And as the legal ramifications go, we actually had to follow profit and not for profit. So we have the profit side and the not for profit for the Ascension Cosmos Oracles and the Ascension Church Ohana on Sundays, which Richard stepped up and also agreed to be the president of our clan. But Richard, go ahead. Let's let's share some of the rituals and traditions that I don't even know about you because, folks, Richard and I have only been together for a year, I guess, in May. But, well, we knew each other two years prior, so we've got three years 
or more, I guess, together in this reality. But let's do talk about life before life and how we know each other in soul groups and then how these spirits, because you saw them and recognized them, how does that work? Because uh, we can call them forth in our rituals and our circles. But how are your people called forth in your druidic? Because I've been uh, with people in the 70s that welcomed me into the shaman tradition where I had to learn to go through trees and learn how to you know, go down below. They believe a lot of things that others may not know of yet. But there's as above, so below in many many world traditions and native traditions. But would you talk about you and what do you talk what you what you talking about, Richard? To <laughs> 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 make it where I can understand it. You mean there was a circle of spirits? Uh did you have a fire or you can give us some details of how that worked, because not everybody gets to go through a coven or a tradition of 13 or spirit circles. Uh, but tell us about that. Is that something okay. only done in the Druidic? Uh, well, I can't speak for all Druids, nor, nor can I speak for all witches, nor can I speak for all pagans, for that matter, because there are hundreds of different paths out there and hundreds of different traditions. In my particular clan, which uh, there is a council of elders which represent nine clans uh, who have been faithfully practicing druidry or druidism for thousands of years overseas in Ireland and Scotland. And uh, they eventually, as time wore on, the traditions themselves uh, kind of generationally timed out to some extent. Now, I personally happen to be the last druid of my particular clan. However, there may well be other clan members of other clans that are still have, you know, youth and so forth that are growing up in the in the traditions themselves. In this particular instance, it was a gathering of the council of elders, and my great-grandmother happened to be the archdruidess, okay? Which is basically like the seat of the, the the best the highest sage that one can become in our tradition is an archdruid, and she was the archdruid for the council of nine, which was including our clan as one of the nine clans mentioned. So they all gathered together in spirit, okay, and they came forth to visit me. And yes, I was very familiar with my great grandmother, having had you know past. Uh, live experience interacting with her on the physical plane um, from ages uh, five through seven, and then in the mystical plane uh, through mirrors for another five years until I was 12. And she does continuously look after me, you could say. She does come and visit me at times. But of course now this is going to sound a, a bit far out there because unless you are gifted with third sight, and are able to see and hear spirits that are around you and about you, you would not necessarily be aware that these given individuals have shown up. But in this particular instance, there were nine women, and they all circled around me, and I was levitated into the air, and I was given many blessings. Excuse me. And this is basically what the tradition was. She was passing... Her, her position as archdruid of the clans unto me. So it was more than just a saging. It was also be, making me an archdruid as well. 
So, of course, now, uh, you know, when you start talking uh, the Charmed Ones, of course, I have to clarify, are we talking the first series that was on television, or are we talking on the second series that is presently running now? Because the two had a lot of different, uh, there were a great many differences between the two shows. But anyway, now, they're basically what happens is in a saging practice, okay, uh, a person is deprived of all uh, awareness to some extent, or they are isolated, set alone, set apart, and this is done for a certain period of time, whether it be three days or whether it be a month or whether it be, you know, however many days in that tradition it happens to fall. In the Druidic tradition, it's usually three days, okay? And again, I'm clarifying that this is only my specific knowledge, and it does not in any way speak for all of the Druids internationally, because there are a great many Druids, and of course there are also other traditions that have sprung forth that uh, claim the ancestry and the heritage, and uh, I will not speak bad or against anyone, but of course their foundation reaches into other esoteric schools of knowledge in order to gain their labeling of themselves as Druids, and they are recognized by England as being an organization that is welcomed into Stonehenge at various festivals throughout the year. Um, and, uh, you know, you have uh, Ovid's, uh, see, Ovid's Bards and Sages, and I believe that's an international organization of which I'm referring to. Um, but anyway, their tradition draws on the Kabbalah, it draws on the Tarot, it draws on a great many other mystical systems and mystical paths of knowledge, so they are not pure druids, as I would clarify myself to be. A pure druid is basically one who is attuned with all of nature, can it will control to a certain extent or be given the auspices of uh, assistance by all of nature. In addition to that, they draw the herbal wisdom of herbology. They also draw the, the wisdom of uh, lawmaking from past generations that have made laws in regards to ethics and morals that have transited down through the years. In addition to that, there's all kinds of ritual knowledge that has been handed down from generation to generation. And these rituals I will not go into blatantly as, as far as the actual uh, full content thereof, because naturally uh, that would violate vows of, of uh, privacy um, in regards to my own clan. Um, however, I will go as far as to say that there are remedies for any and everything that you come across in life that in turn would deter you or set you down or withhold or make obstacles within your, your life in front of you. There are lots of rituals and spells and all kinds of things of that nature that in turn are designed to remove such obstacles from your life. Um, along the way, down through our heritage, uh, we ran into um, witchcraft, and so basically witchcraft and druidism, as far as our clan was concerned, were somewhat combined. Um, and that is why I'm also very familiar with witchcraft itself, because again, we had a book of shadows that was a book of spells that, uh, again, would initiate practices that were designed to remove obstacles from one's life um, in general. 
So that's the gist of it, basically. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I cannot tell you exactly how long this uh, procedure of saging and, and becoming an archdruid actually took, because naturally when you're on the spiritual plane, time does not exist. So you could be on the spiritual plane for what would seem like maybe a half an hour, and then all of a sudden when you make touch with given reality once again, three hours may have transpired. So I cannot say, and of course this was a very private ceremony. There were no other physical witnesses when this transpired. And it is designed that way. Um, such rituals of, of initiation or uh, you know, appointing one to become a sage or an elder is done in private with the elders of that particular clan or that particular practice or tradition. Uh, the elders, the mages, the, the sages of a given tradition would in turn, of course, create a rite of passage in a manner of speaking. Um, and the rite of passage could be a series of questions. It could be a specific task that the person has to undertake in a given amount of time. However, there is always segregation because the person that is going through the initiation is asked to turn inward to listen to their spiritual self more than their human self. And then in turn, of course, they are greeted by the elders and the sages and the mages as all participants in such rites that in turn at the end of such rite that person then emerges as a sage or a mage or both or an elder or all three. Um, usually uh, it, it requires uh, making a special place or a sanctum, um, a very sacred space so that in turn the person uh, enters into the space and when they enter into that space they are kind of coming away from physical reality to a certain degree. And of course, this, this is a practice that has been handed down for thousands of years. Um, one usually draws a circle, anoints the circle, blesses the circle, and then calls forth whoever, whatever deities they have in their tradition that they recognize as representing both the four areas or four corners of existence, the four directions, as well as above and below, and then in turn, whatever deity they happen to worship or whatever deity they give um, homage to in their traditional practice or what have you. And this is why I say there are hundreds of them, just as there are hundreds of gods and goddesses. For each culture that you select, uh, be it Celtic, be it Norse, be it uh, Native American, there are all kinds of deities that are worshipped in different aspects. And of course, some would say that these are gods and goddesses, and some would say that these are demigods and goddesses, because in all recognition, yes, regardless of what the tradition is, we all recognize that there is one source of all creation that is indistinguishable and uh, to, some would say, unknowable from the aspect other than uh, the only way in which they can be known is through the purity of their love, and the love is divine love. It is not human love as we understand it to be. Um, so, that's uh, things in a nutshell, pretty much. Um, now, yes, there are all kinds of reference sources. Matter of fact, there are all kinds of groups out there now that uh, are conducting saging and elder uh, ceremonies and so forth and practices and granting advice to whoever comes along that wishes to join their group. Um, and, of course, as 
uh, Pastor Teresa mentioned, uh, you know, you can gain a tremendous amount of knowledge not only on the Internet, but you can also reach out to many groups via the Internet, and especially, of course, as COVID transpired and still remains somewhat of a pandemic, uh, people are reaching out to each other uh, through the Internet a lot more commonly than they are actually meeting in person still. Um, Traditionally, of course, now if you start talking covens, Yes, you're talking 13 witches or basically 12 witches and a high priest or a high priestess or possibly both. And again, it's going to vary depending on what particular tradition we're speaking of. Um, and now, Wiccan is the embracing the elementals, right? Usually integrating with uh, source and all things are alive. So uh, the Christian, uh, white light Christian uh, tone of that through the Ascended Masters is who we use with the Ascension Cosmos oracles and those that have been on the other side or died, such as Richard and I, we call ourselves Ascension Masters. But that's because of the uh, levels and the kingdoms and the vibrations that create our undertone of being one with everything. And now, uh, yeah, we use words, folks, and symbols and vibrations uh, about different groups, clans, covens, uh, churches, uh, they all fall under the same uh, type of global culture. I've noticed about extraterrestrials because uh, I've worked with extraterrestrials and so has Richard, but remembering who we are and honoring the light body that assists us in integration is something that uh, I believe churches at one time tried to embrace, but from back in the day in the beginning before the Roman Empire and during the Akkadian rule, and we had Atlantis and Lemuria. So many of our souls go back Uh, that far, even though some come back for self-forgiveness or teaching and returning to this mineral, plant, animal, insect, sea creature, earth, for the wisdom of the totem gods and healers for planetary wholeness. So many of the divas and the plant spirits, uh, they're key here, uh, they choose to come here and they choose to be plant, animal, mineral creatures, you know, whatever. But that's hard for me to understand other than we have levels of uh, soul vibration entity that all creations came from the original source. So one thing I liked about the ancient traditions, Richard, that you're accustomed to or have practiced is that they had a lot of the facets uh, connected to ego id and philosophy or parapsychology, understanding um, how to facilitate you know, your total personal self-empowerment and infusing that with yourself in your spirit, in your soul. You know, they acknowledge each other and embrace that. And I think that's what community is about is, you know, we we enrich everybody and ask you to be good in deeds, thoughts, words, and deeds, right? So uh, what we're going to develop here is not so much uh, what individuals want to do outside as elementals, but we still have fireside chats and stargazing. And, uh, but Richard's in Georgia, and I'm in Florida. It's a little hard to do that together, although I guess you could take your laptop out and you know, do all this. So, uh, Richard, what's going to be our new traditions, our new thought teachings? Do you have any idea other than meeting here Sunday and letting people know we'll start teaching classes or the integration of what we're doing, because it is a long process, folks. 
for everybody. Well, uh, I would think know, I would think that would I would think that would dwell mainly on the personal interests. You know what I'm saying? Because okay. uh, we have yeah. such a rich history, uh, and of course uh, there there are so many books and there are so many well. Uh, well, known scholars and so forth in various areas, you know, that uh, the knowledge is very, very easily come by to a large extent, you know, uh, other than the inner mysteries, of course. Uh, if if a person is interested in becoming ascended per se, well, then we can assist them in their ascension. Um, but the thing of it is, um, and this is what I've garnered over the years, is the path that one treads is always inward. It is not an outward path. It is an inward path. Um, you are reaching up from your human consciousness to your spiritual consciousness in hopes of, of obtaining a conversation and a communal uh, knowingness with your spirit. And then in turn, your spirit allows you to borgen out into the various aspects and gifts that we can acquire simply because uh, they they are all ours and it is only a matter of the desire and then in turn the intent and then of course um the path is is undertaken so well a lot um, of people which, don't have memories of their past they don't know the collective channeling or their super conscious or delta waves they don't understand you know beta alpha theta delta gamma or how we talk in today's language in the business language or American English, uh, you know, they don't know how to tap their inner soul patterns or their super conscious uh, of their holos or the Akasha or the story storage, you know, their immediate conscious recall. So uh, do you have ways to teach this super conscious universal mind? Because we, like you said, there's plenty of books out there to teach you to go inward. And a lot of people, do believe you have to tune and uh, we do have all those you know tools for our collective group channeling but our co-channeling as it used to be called so uh, we can teach the light and the spirit and the spiritual loving and human beings but many people out there like you said it depends on the individual everybody's unique but we believe everybody's immortal and everybody's eternal so the concepts go forward so uh you know, are we going to have an agreement uh, as this day forth? Because we're just getting this, even though we've been here nine years, we're starting all over again. So I guess uh, immortality is uh, always the goal and precarnate agreements, but we attain that through the I am presence and acknowledgement and embrace. But how are, uh, on Sundays, if we can help people, uh, by facilitating them to help their empowerment and infusement. Are there certain topics that you think we should help for the soul and the spirit? Because you're saying go inward. You know what I'm saying? You go inward. Besides meditation and then teaching them the tools, exercises, do you have a supplement attunements for us? <laughs> and tune Incarnate beings attuning to this day and time. <laughs> it's a different world now. So we have to learn yes, to is. Use, use the voice more so, I guess, huh? But there are music. Oh, yes. There's music. Oh, yes. There's How music. And, of course, there's there's the Schumann resonance and, of course, binaural beats. And 
uh, refocusing, reprogramming the mind uh, through sound waves. There's, there's all kinds of different things now that, that didn't used to be at all, period. Uh, how much, integrative medicine now, but the meditative state in the clearing techniques, uh, do you, uh, do you want to, as sage elders, help people understand, uh, Gosh, there's so much. I don't even know where to begin because we should have level levels for our apprentice and our journeymen, our technicians, our practitioners. Uh, but we, we usually start off with energy and the white light and building and cleansing and clearing and then teach the chakra uh, centers, right, and the colors and the stones yes. are how we activate with words. So we'll be working more with words in the radio channels because we're not there to – help you but we can tell you the colors and the stones and the different centers of your energy and learning how to use your when you go in in, inward right how to use clearing techniques or how to enhance your channel and and, yeah to ground into center and and, you know to reach up to your higher self and then in turn of course your higher self reaches up to your super conscious and of course eventually you can sort of kind of bring it down to some degree, I guess. You know, I, I don't know if there's cosmic laws that uh, limit us in any respect. Uh, I would not think that there are, but then again, you know, I'm not all-knowing either. So, I mean, but, uh, you know, I mean, if you use Christ as an example, you know, he could create miracles uh, while he walked upon the earth. And, of course, there have been many other sages and, and masters ascended masters and so forth that could do the same thing um, and in different epics of and periods of civilization, of course. Um, and I always look at it from the aspect being that, you know, since he himself spoke that there shall be many that come after him that shall do even greater than he. I take that uh, to heart and say, okay, we are unlimited provided we trust, have faith, and hope. And therefore, with those three, we can overcome anything. And we are unlimited, like you said, we are immortal beings. So therefore, but what we understand on a universal and spiritual level and what we have to deal with in everyday reality are oftentimes at war with each other. Um, Simply because, you know, the human, go ahead. You think that because of the gods and goddesses, whether it's secularism or not, but monotheism or one god theory, after all the gods and goddesses, they were the deities of the time, but they were the lower deities based on the fact they came and went, like we know alien civilizations exist. So with that immortal soul that we are all bound with, and some have memories and some don't, and then some have had past lives, I believe they always send certain stories back to earth you know the soth stories and the emerald tablets and how to live and how to do there's always some guidance at some higher god goddess level but uh all these separate tribes clans uh, depending on what part of the earth they were landed upon there are many people now teaching that the colors of the skin are based on the tribes of uh other space and place 
in ufology and alienology, you know, cosmology, phenomenology. But with us, you know, we're accepting from the premise that we're all equal with a soul. We're all immortal souls, and we're obtaining our ascension by learning to gradually get back to from where we came. But we were sent here. And through the, uh, we can take you all the way back, and we've had many people in integrative medicine and prior for many years on the planet since the 60s of the birthers movement, rebirthers, and learning how to breathe outside. And people would actually be reborn because of all their wombs. That's a psychological uh, path. I did not personally go down, but I knew a lot of birthers that did. I chose Lamaze technique, giving birth as a mother and learning to take the pain and train my brain because it is the most unbelievable. You can't even imagine. It's not like the worst gas cramps you had, but when your body is pushing out something like a baby out your, well, we'll just, I'm just saying that to be human (laughs) and to be an immortal soul, and to be a woman and birth a baby is an experience that you can only relate to here, I guess on another planet, but here on this planet. And, you know, we come here and we have these vessels. So first of all, from what I've seen, a lot of these people on the planet, Richard, that are not in our group or in our uh, way of being, they say the outsiders, they have their groups, their tribes, uh, people helping them that I noticed over in California, one of my friends that runs a huge corporation or Backstreet Boys are people that were in prison or had tattoos and they get sent to reform. And you're out in LA, California, right? But a lot of people that touch down on the planet they get on this path. And I don't necessarily agree that it's based, but we need to go back. We're going to have to teach. It's like reteaching. And I believe that's why the sage elders are so important to recognize they've already died and been on the other side. They talk to spirits. They understand uh, spiritual bodies, light workers, truth seekers, uh, uh, the light bearers, uh, you know, the stories that they put on television aren't all wrong. They're not all right. But you get to a place where as an immortal soul, you just relax and you're here and you learn to thrive because it's not just about peace and survival. But we're not really big on the clans of people that come to the earth that want to continually warmonger. But they do go back to the gods and goddesses of the various places in space. And, uh, you know, the stories that separated the Druid stories, do you, uh, with your stories back to Atlantis and Lemuria, and I know you're an old soul, uh, can you talk to that about how these people, we really, we're not, we're all the same folks on the highest level, because all of our mothers and fathers that bore us on the planet through the birth canal, as we say in uh, metaphysics, Uh, we're pretty much realizing that there's some out there that didn't come to this planet through the birth canal, but we're dealing with that now in this time as immortal souls through the AI industry. Uh, But we're all a part of that in the future as well. So like Richard said, this is getting really far off the subject. But Richard, don't you agree that immortal souls throughout all universes and when we come down here, we're just like everybody else in a human meat suit, and we learn how to instruct, teach, and still form community. But 
people have to be drawn to us. You can't just force your will or because you've lived or know many things as an eternal or mortal soul. But we seem to gravitate towards each other. Do you understand that magnetism uh, or some like Marcy and them say vibrating at certain levels? Uh, that's interesting to me as how we all clan. Do you believe that uh, like Billy Carson, a friend of mine I met in 2017, is really under the impression that it is like a uh, mark of his tribe. He's black. Uh, a black person and very handsome black man that teaches uh, spirituality and soul and source and emerald tablets and Thoth and Egypt and he has money and billionaires he says he gets his money from billionaires that I watched his YouTubes and uh, they support him to go around the world and find out all the ancient ways you and I don't have that so we're talking but it goes way back, doesn't it? I mean, it's probably universal in any other universes. So uh, do you have a thread of you of the knowing in your immortal soul of how old you are or how we can teach people to find that part of them? Or maybe they're brand new souls. I don't know. But we need to talk like in the beginning. <laughs> Some say there was God or only one God or one immortal soul or that the souls in Zoroastrianism, they believe that that was only one in the beginning, right? And do good and say good yes. things. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking, but you get where I'm going with this. Is you got to go back to the beginning, whether there were wars in heaven or not. But apparently, most all-world cultures, world religions, all the way back to Lemuria and Atlantis, say we didn't come from here. There were different people brought here, and I believe that's what we're going to teach immortally. We're always immortal souls, but when your soul, your conscious, that gets confusing down here walking and talking, and babies can't be held responsible and up to your 25 now on the planet. But can you address that? Because everybody doesn't have the same story. You know, we all don't look alike. We all don't have the same race, color, or religion. But we're talking tribal, communal, and community and how we're going to build ours based on, I guess, magnetism? I don't know. Uh, what brings us together, Richard? Can you go there? Well, I guess you could say what brings us together is, is a basic agreement of spirituality. In other words, we all recognize that, yes, there is one creative source that created all in the beginning. And that from that all, that in turn, all of the many life forms and all of the many intelligences and all the separate spirits, all the separate souls, however you want to address it word-wise, created them all. So, uh, and, and I think, you know, that there are lots of different uh, schools of thought, uh, both philosophically and theologically on this concept, that, you know, in, in the beginning there was one, and that they created all that is and shall continue to create all that becomes and all, of, all that is yet to be. Um, so, of course, now in trapping uh, all that has happened in the intermix is a good question simply because uh, you know like you said we're not all alike we're not all we may not even be originally of the same origin other than yes there was one creative source so we are all brothers and sisters from that aspect 
but as far as the paths of experience that we've had, whether it be here purely, whether it be here and amongst other stars or other planets or other galaxies or other universes, or all intermingled uh, amongst the mix, one could say. Um, so if we're talking purely plain. I believe, the, I believe the kids call it woke. You know, Billy Carson talks about higher consciousness being woke, and then I think Trump says if you're woke, you're not. So they're bad. But so, so I don't think they understand how to use W-O-K-E in the different terminologies in music and art, science, and folks, all the channeling uh, that's done in the various uh, disciplines of the art, all your writers, your artists, uh, you know, your singers, all the musicians, they're all channels of energy, all great artists, writers, and musicians are channelers, you know. But uh, I, I was watching one of these uh, TV things, shows about uh, forensic. I, I got started in forensics in college, in law enforcement, criminal justice, University of Alabama forensics, when it's just getting started in the early 80s. But... Uh, now that it was on Dateline or something last night, Richard, they could tell uh, a girl was murdered out in a, a, a place, and uh, a parents were murdered by a son for uh, just anger and wanted more money. I guess they took care of him. But they found out a tree, and it changed forensics forever based on a plant, one of the gentlemen. Uh, attorneys lost the case based on that plant, and it changed forensics. So each tree is alive, and they found out that each one has a different DNA. Can you believe that? That is unbelievable. They found out a certain tree, and this, this case was a horse chestnut called horse chestnut tree. But this guy had this pollen in the in his tire track, and it uh, – they were able to trace to that particular uh, horse chestnut tree and found his parents because he hadn't confessed or anything. So this is how the world can take care of itself as we get smarter and we know more and we know how to present it to help each other. But we make mistakes and things happen, but I don't believe that you know, that person, uh, you know, people are people and some come with different agendas from out in space and they may, we deal with good or bad folks. It's an unfortunate thing that we recognize it, but you, as sage elders, we go above all that, whether it's plant, animal, mineral, tree or whatever. But here we're learning and teaching each other how to make sure people don't make mistakes. So, you know, sometimes I wonder, Richard, if people are assigned on the planet like a game of life. That so many people believe this is an illusion or a game in the uh, Matrix, right? That some yep. people role play. It makes, and sometimes it merely makes you wonder because I heard another guy last night on the TV saying he didn't know why he killed all these women, and he was young, you know, a young man. I had a job. He, he worked at a hospital. He was a radiologist. I was like, oh, my God, I'll never look at my radiologist, <laughs> x-ray technician, like the same. But uh, he was killing a lot of women, not to, you know, uh, be gross, but we have to adapt that there are things on this planet we just don't understand. And I don't know. We label it good and bad, We uh, good and evil, you know, the little angel devil. So uh, 
this must be a learning planet, Richard, from what I can see as an, uh, from my oversoul out there in space. And you talked about the Akashic field, and so did I. So we need to explain the astral plane because we mentioned that. But, you know, do you have a, any philosophy? Do you believe somewhere out there in the universes that people may be right? This is a not a flat planet. I don't believe in that for a minute. But the uh, there's a philosophy that there is good and bad in all of us. And we do face the shadow self. I don't know how you want to deal with that, but do you think it could come from out there in space before we come here that maybe we're signed our spirit into our body? And maybe well, yeah, we, I mean, I, I believe that I believe that we actually form a contract between ourselves uh, spiritually and uh, perhaps a group of elders that have the ability by divine right or divine knowledge, divine wisdom, whatever it be. Uh, to say, okay, well, all right, you want to live, you want to learn these things. Well, in order to learn these things, you will go through these kinds of experiences. And, of course, now, when we're in our spirit selves, we are absolutely immortal and we are also unlimited. So, therefore, we have no idea what we're consigning ourselves to in a human vessel and human experience. We have absolutely no idea, but we have this... uh I don't know, I wouldn't really call it ego because you don't have an ego as far as a spiritual self is concerned, but you definitely have this uh, false bravado that you can come down here and accomplish anything and undergo anything and, and you know, as though it were not really anything to be bothered with. So, yeah, I, I tend to agree that, that we seem to have this planet overall seems to be a place of learning and seems to be a place that we come and we grow and we learn many things. And then in turn, once we have completed whatever the mission is, and I use this very loosely because it could be a mission as one particular act or one particular set of circumstances or to change one particular set of circumstances. And once this is accomplished, then you have finished your mission and then you go back home. Now, of course, home, again, uh, very loosely speaking, would be the other side, and then from the other side to wherever it is you wish to go next. Uh, I do know that, of course, this is not the only planet that we can incarnate on. Uh, I do know that this is not necessarily the only universe we may be involved in. But again, it is going to vary person to person. I do know for a fact that, yes, we can contractually say that, hey, we are going to agree to agree to meet at such and such a time, at such and such a place, and there from that point forward we will interact for a given period of time. Now that given period of time may be nothing more than a few minutes. It could be a few hours, a few days, a few months, a few years, or actually the entirety of a lifetime. It just depends, and it varies. Um, and I do believe that this is a mutual agreement that is met. And I do believe that this also may play some part in there being some kind of internal spiritual recognition, vibration, frequency, or identification that we all recognize when we have met someone that there is a fluid energy that flows between us that gives us a sense of belonging. Okay? So if we take it from that aspect and we consider 
that each time we are born, which I know for a fact I've had at least hundreds of lives, I have uh, what you would call an archived knowledge or a part of my Akashic record, since the Akashic record or the Akashic field is basically the retainer of all knowledge of everything that has ever transpired upon the planet Earth in regards to everyone that has ever visited the planet Earth. So you could say it's a library in a sort of manner of speaking that contains all the knowledge of all the people's lives individually up until now and going back as far as to when they first came here. And it would include the records that would also tell them whether in fact they are aliens having been born on another planet and then in turn brought over here or if they are seedlings or star seeds, which would mean that they would in turn be interjected on a DNA level um, from a spiritual, spiritual perspective, so that in turn when they actually become a physical vessel, they are also aware of their innate nature or belonging to another culture or another race that is not here on this planet. Um, so again, once you have acquired all of the knowledge that you wish to acquire, then in turn you return home. And you may do this sequentially for hundreds of lives, thousands of lives. Uh, you may be here to heal not only, say, a given race of beings, but you may be here to heal the planets as a whole. Uh, you may be here to help uh, people ascend, okay, or basically, as you said, awaken. Because basically those who are asleep have become or allowed themselves to become programmed that three-dimensional reality is in fact all there is to reality, which that is a complete illusion because there are numerous dimensions uh, to reality itself and each of these dimensions in turn is a different frequency and a different vibration. So once you garner how to resonate at that particular frequency or vibration, your mental self and etheric self and your light body then in turn begin transiting into that dimension, such as from the third to the fourth and the fourth to the fifth and the fifth to the seventh and so on and so forth. Um, now, what repercussion this may have on a physical level is yet to be seen. Because, you see, I mean, I've, I've come across hundreds of people that all tell me, you know, well, they, they've lived this timeline or they're going down this timeline, but how the timeline itself can be changed or how timelines can run together or how alternate timelines themselves can be created. Now, yes, I do believe in time travel. Why? Because I've done it a couple of times. I have seen midnight turn into dawn and dawn turn into midnight, all within 10 minutes which, of course, again, sounds really far-fetched and way out there, but I have also seen instances where I was one physical place only to find myself in an entirely different physical place, and then once I was there in that other alternate physical place for an hour or two, all of a sudden I found myself back to where I was in the beginning. So this, again, would indicate time travel of some kind or at least a shifting of dimension or a shifting of reality to some extent. So, yeah, I mean, we can talk in all kinds of different uh, languages and all kinds of different aspects and perspectives. And, you know, I, I, like I said, I believe that this planet originally may well have been a library back in the beginning. 
that this library was basically a tool that was being used to store all kinds of knowledge and wisdom as garnered by all kinds of civilizations all throughout our, the entirety of our universe. And that in, at one point in time, there were what you would call guardians of the library. And then in turn, of course, other races came to the planet and began seeding the planet with their seeds or their race of beings. And all of these races eventually became intermixed. And of course, the library, I don't know if it was fell, if it fell or if in fact it was removed. And it could well be that the library was removed and is now stored etherically on the Akashic records or the Akashic uh, field of, of inheritance, the field of knowledge, the field of wisdom um, that is kept per se in like a grand hall of wisdom. Uh, right. I remember as a, as a psychic, uh, when I was learning folks, I had to have mentors back in the day. And <laughs> I, w- I was too embarrassed to ask them what they were talking about. <laughs> Akasha is a Sanskrit word that was developed, uh, well, in Western occultism. But uh, let me just tell you, it means space or sky or ether, okay, in traditional Indian cosmology. But back in the 60s, uh, when I was learning this stuff, um, and then it wasn't until the 80s after a woman uh, gave me her energy as she was passing and they bless me when they know they're dying on their deathbeds. And I've had a nurse, I've had several people give me their energy or the Akashic uh, meaning of their sky visibility as traditional uh, psychics. And it's it's like he had a blessing with his elders and raised levitation among spirits and his grandmother. But mine was in physical reality. And uh, that term was adopted over here in Western occultism, just and spiritualism in the 19th century. So it was modern Indo-Aryan, which is uh, white language, <laughs> Dravidian language also, which is what uh, I guess uh, we talk about the Druids and uh, the, the Abrahamic faith, the Christian uh, Pranashakti Indian culture uh, all became like back in the day we found out the Akkadian rhythms of uh, sound vibration energy and speaking are is eternal it's an immortal uh, language but the thing about the Akashic record uh, we started talking of it being in existence of all things and I've even heard scientists and engineers learn to talk about in the sky and space or sky, traditional Indian cosmology, but it really depends on the religion and uh, the culture as to how they refer. The Buddhists and the Vedic people in Sanskrit, they used it, meaning Akasha. So it's been accepted now uh, as sky, and uh, Hindus, uh, their philosophy, and the state of ether or the fifth physical substance but ether is uh, the essence, quality of sound, and the uh, way that we speak in the psychic world that I was brought up in, not as a religion, but a way of life. My mother uh, had the energy, Richard, Pastor Richard, but she didn't acknowledge it other than she could know when planes were going to be down as a journalist and a writer of magazines and books. 
she was more a writer, uh, but she was very much uh, from the you know 40s and 50s. So you spoke earlier of the astral world, air, fire, water, earth, and the fourth in sequence. But uh, the kasha, the five elements, they include sound, or Sanskrit word, akasha, in the Hinduism uh, and Buddhist phenomenology. So the oldest Jainism, Hinduism, uh, Hinduism is older than any uh, of the Vedic and the Sanskrit religions. So, you know, uh, in the 19th century, we adopted that word, and it's used among uh, most of the enlightened beings from over 5,000 years ago. They had, like Richard said, many people call it the sky library or the space library. <laughs> and in the Kasha Sanskrit word, okay, so you know, you don't have to be embarrassed of what are those people talking about. It was considered the hidden library and a secret hall of records, and uh, you could only get to it by diving internally, like Richard said, your internal soul inside spirit, your subconscious mind, and you could only get there through deep meditation because you had to envision all things possible in recording history in space. And so now that we're talking together as the Ascension Cosmos Oracles and cyberspace culture that we're building, the theosophy and uh, the Kashic records, the sky records, the Sanskrit record, sky, space, or ether, they started using it as the fifth dimension, the fifth element, the sound, the sky words of how – you couldn't hear me if my voice from my my body, and I didn't intonate. I haven't really studied voices like I should have. But you couldn't read the acoustic records unless uh, you had discovered something inside yourself. So back in the day, there was a theosopher in the 1800s, and we started studying H.P. Blavatsky and uh, uh, how to – uh, read what our spirit and our soul may have left us in the role of our past lives. So we aligned better with our soul purpose and when we started learning of our inner self that Richard's now teaching. But I'm sorry, Richard, but I know there's people out there that don't understand the philosophy or our, our, our words because I've been there, done that, got that T-shirt, you know, even though it's back 40 or 50 years ago. They need to understand, you know, this is all a complex uh, world of belief systems. So Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, you know, the Indian history and how it came with Western religion and all of us in America, we blended all these things together in our vibrations and our thoughts and desires, wants, needs, desires of learning to communicate. So it all comes back to being enlightened beings, knowing what knowledge is, and learning how to attain it. And remember, the fifth element is ether or essence. Uh, and we'll talk about the sixth sense of using it all, fire, earth, water, air, and essence. Fire, water, earth, air, essence, ether. Now, ether and air isn't the same thing in the sky. It's like saying you breathe air and you can see the sky. Okay, and so we're talking about the words that you speak in the sky, but they're even above that in space, 
and how the nature is therefore made of uh, each language is said to be created for those that studied that tradition in cosmology, depending on their religion, their culture, where they were born. So we go back to being born again, and why are you chosen to have a certain race, color, creed, religion? And uh, it's usually based on where you touch down. So that's part of our theosophy and anthroposophy, I guess you'd say, about the Akashic Records. So it's a Sanskrit word, meaning ether, sky, or space, but we combine it all for the Akashic Records. So that's how Richard and I learned to speak to each other, is we've had some of the same paths, schooling, uh, in esoteric world, theosophic world, and his more druidic Although I realize now mine was very druidic, very Wiccan, and I read, I was always attracted in libraries to the occult metaphysical, which there weren't that many. We had to go to certain bookstores. But that's the Akashic field, our heritage as immortal souls, can bring you up as ascending in levels into that origin of your soul will access your understanding. So a combination of living in the secret space of the invisible college is also uh, Jay Allen Hynek knew some occult metaphysical, but he called his world in the center of UFO studies, Jay Allen Hynek, if you know, uh, he's passed over, was one of my teachers that met me, but he uh, asked me to continue the world of UFO association and the Akashic Records and the knowledge that he had encoded. Now, the f- non-physical plane is the existence of this astral plane. Now, the astral plane is not the Akashic Records. The records are stored, like Richard said. And Richard, I like that, uh, what you just shared. Uh, I've never thought about this planet being one of the libraries and then people seating themselves here. But this could have been manifested, like you said, from thought. Everything comes from the beginning, folks, in the ether and thoughts, and thoughts are things. So let me get back to you, Richard. I'm sorry, but you touched me off, and I knew people didn't know what you were talking about, some of them, because I was too embarrassed to ask my teachers, Richard. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's people listening that will go, what are the Akashic Records? So, folks, just remember it's a word. It's an old word that we developed and used for a combination of all things and all languages in the ethers. But we think of it, the metaphysicians and the psychics, you'll hear we're going to read your Akashic records. We're talking about your memories, your thoughts, your things that maybe you've been in one of our soul groups, our soul purpose And Richard can explain the library because it's like we all have different lives that look sort of like books. Not really, we imagine it. But Richard can teach you the difference between the ethers and the uh, Akashic field and the uh, astral plane. But uh, Akashic records, Richard, you said this could have been like a library. Go ahead with that library thought. I like that. Well, yeah, I think think originally that the planet – the planet itself, when it was in an infant in its infancy and its creation, was in actuality a universal library that contained not only the soul um, experiences of given individuals, but the soul experiences of entire races 
from entire different planets, from entire different galaxies, and possibly even as far spread as different universes throughout creation. So it was a storehouse of knowledge that was being preserved, okay? So now when you break it down and you start talking the Akashic records of a given individual, then in turn you are talking that individual's lifetimes, okay? Now, again, I will share with you personal experience. Take it for what it's worth. Um, I have been in altered states of consciousness uh, while the body was completely relaxed and put on autopilot, all right? And I have traversed to what is commonly referred to as the seventh dimension or where the other side or the, diven- dimen- the dimensional divide between the third dimension and the seventh dimension. Basically, the seventh dimension is readily accepted as to where our spirits go once we physically leave our bodies. In other words, once our spirit has finished and is called home, we traverse to the seventh dimension where a decision is made by ourselves and possibly by other elders um, or other representatives, ascended masters, and so forth as to where we need to go or what we need to experience next. Well, upon this seven, within the, the vibrational frequency of this seventh dimension is what is referred to as a hall of records. Now, um, Sylvia Brown was a very well-known, world-renowned psychic. Uh, she also has passed, and she wrote a number, a great many books, and in one of the books, uh, she details the hall of records quite in detail, okay? However, she says that uh, she didn't really enter therein. She was just aware that, you know, this was a place that you go, that basically when you leave this life, you get to review all that you have done, like watching a movie of your entire life uh, on a screen in front of you, where you can actually view all that you have done and all that you wanted to do or all of it that you attempted to do and, you know, your successes and your failures, your weaknesses and your strengths and so on and so forth. Well, I, I, following along and developing a belief in the existence of such a place and the existence of such a warehouse or a stored hall of knowledge per se, found myself outside a very large building made of, made of marble, okay? And it had a very, very large gold, golden pair of doors that opened inwardly. And I was led down a hallway, and I was led quite deeply into the building, uh, kind of like a maze, a number of different hallways running here and there. And I came to a, uh, a private room and I sat in the room and I actually, uh, as I sat there, I actually watched lives before this one being displayed very much like a movie in front of me. Now, of course, uh, unfortunately, on a conscious level, you know, after experiencing this for however long a period of time it may or may not have been, uh, since time again is not relevant on the other side because it's only a measurement of man, okay? Per se, it is, it is measured on a galactic level or a cosmic level uh, simply to show the origins and developments of various planets and stars and so forth throughout the cosmos. But as far as being utilized as a timeline or a line of 
timely experience, it is not necessarily referred to when you get outside of the third dimension, which is the dimension that we live in on a day-to-day basis. So anyway, in my sojourn to the Hall of Records, I was shown numerous past lives, the last of which was uh, myself being portrayed as a captain of the infantry uh, in the Southern Army back in the days of the Revolution. Okay. And I was only shown an excerpt of that, an excerpt of that, or at least if I was shown more of it in detail, I only retained an excerpt of that. I was shown a great many other past lives, and this again, I absorbed on some level, or perhaps I already knew it on what you would say my superconscious or my spirit level, which of course you could say that. Uh, if you talk, start talking about your conscious levels, you have your, your human consciousness, and then you have your higher self, which is basically like, um, I guess you could say in a way, a puppet master per se, because your higher self already knows everything that you're about to do before it happens. And he, they also know exactly what you need to do to avoid certain obstacles or certain events and so forth. And then you go above that and you start to talk about your spiritual consciousness and your spiritual consciousness is directly connected to the source of all and also connected in all ways to all other living organisms or all other living life forms throughout the entirety of creation. Now that's one heck of a statement to make and of course you have to bring it back down and say, okay, well then at least on a galactic level, then yes, all species that would Uh, be of a physical form within our galaxy or even those that are visiting our galaxy uh, as star brothers and sisters, per se. But anyway, getting back to the Akashic record, uh, the Akashic records are those records of every lifetime that you have ever had as an experience in a mortal form, whether it be here on Earth or whether it be in other planets, in other galaxies, etc., etc. Now, these records are there and they are permanent. They will not be changed because they are warehoused in this magnificent library that you would have to say basically consists of energy more so than anything else because you only, fit, you only experience it in a physical form because that is the best way for you to understand what it is you are experiencing. Like going to a grandiose movie theater from back in the day and you go in and you take a seat and the movie that plays before you has the main character as you. And so I did this several times and there, therefore I retained on a conscious level, again, coming back into the body and, and being consciously aware of my mental self, my emotional self, and so forth, I have retained numerous bits and pieces of various lifetimes in this particular uh, experience level on this particular planet. Now, any and everyone can do this. Matter of fact, there are lots of people out there today even offering like uh, Teresa said, you know, they, they uh, say that, hey, we will help you to get uh, your Akashic records or your soul experience on, in past lives previous to this one, okay? So, that's, so we're talking an etheric record that is an energetic form that is stored in a library of energy that only takes real physical stature or real physical form 
when you choose to experience it. And, of course, when we leave here, when we leave our bodies and we go to the other side, which, in other words, we are transforming from the energy that is sustaining us, the energy that sustains us leaves this physical self. This physical self, of course, in turn dies and deteriorates and so forth. Unless, of course, again, the spirit comes in and, and rehouses it and then, of course, animates it once again. But on a normal routine, you know, you, once you leave your body completely, you are gone and you transit to the other side. And the other side is where you make a decision after reviewing all that you have done in the life that you recently experienced and left behind as to what it is you will do next. So if this, in fact, planet was seated more or less as an energetic library with guardians and uh, keepers of the text or keepers of the knowledge uh, so that in turn when visitors would come to the planet and in turn want to review a particular record. For example, maybe their society on a, or civilization on another planet in another galaxy somewhere has chosen to go down a specific path and has now run into an obstacle where it might well mean the demise of their civilization unless, of course, they are able to gain the knowledge that would allow them a way out or a way to create a, a resolution and solution to their current circumstances. Now, of course, uh, like I said, as time went by, uh, I believe that the library may have been lifted from the planet and moved entirely to the other side uh, simply because uh, such a treasure of knowledge is beyond uh, wealth, it's beyond measure, it's beyond uh, any kind of worth. You know what I'm saying? It, it's just to have that kind of wisdom and that kind of knowledge all contained in one place that could be readily accessible and reviewable by anyone that so chose to view it is a tremendous wealth of knowledge and a tremendous wealth of uh, wisdom, of course. So then in turn, maybe uh, the, the planet itself became terraformed. If it was terraformed, then we're talking aliens or alien species that are designed that come along and they create planets so that in turn planets can sustain biological life forms. So then in, now in regards to being a tree or being a plant or being, you know, uh, a pig or being a cow or being a cat or being a, a crow or any of those, uh, I have no foreknowledge of any of those given experiences. Uh, I don't rule it out that that's possible. However, I don't necessarily uh, give it full um, validity, I guess you could say. In other words, because now you start talking, uh, which is a Hindu belief of uh, transitory life that one begins like as an ant and then in turn becomes a grasshopper and then in turn becomes a plant and then in turn becomes a, a tree and then in turn becomes, you know, various animals until, of course, eventually they reach the form of man. Now, like I said, I'm not going to, uh, you know, naysay anybody's religious beliefs or any other's tradition and so forth. Uh, each one is, is there for a given reason because it may teach or hold within it a given truth. Just as, uh, you know, unfortunately, when we had the civilizations of Atlantis and the civilization of Lemuria, uh, there was a great deal of wisdom that was contained and utilized in both of those civilizations, which are far in advance to where we are now. They understood 
the control of energy. They understood the control of sound. They understood the control of light. They understood the control of frequency and vibration to the extent that uh, literally a mental thought would in fact create a physical manifestation. Okay? Uh, there was no need for the spoken word because their voices were telepathic. In other words, they were purely frequency and therefore they, the mind was an antenna and when someone spoke to you, they sent a frequency to your mind from their mind and spoken word was not necessary. There were intelligent conversations held um, and again, I can attest to this. I did run into one given individual in this life where there was absolutely no need whatsoever to physically communicate verbally because we could hear each other's minds and hear each other's thoughts and hold conversation mentally without the necessity of speaking. So again, you see, this is a reminder of what has been in the past. Um, so where we are now, well, we are all kinds of, in all kinds of different crossroads in all kinds of different ways. Uh, we have technologies that were never, weren't even in existence 100 years ago. Um, you know, we have computers, we have cell phones, we have uh, cyberspace, we have all of these various means and medias of communication that we did not have in the past. This allows us the luxury of staying in one place but actually being two places at the same time because through your internet connection you can go and visit other places in the world, you can go and ascertain all kinds of different knowledge from different sources and everything else without actually having to physically be there. Um, of course, there's Zoom meetings and there are all kinds of other things that are, that are going on now. And we can even probably hold uh, grandiose activities such as conferences and such over cyberspace rather than the necessity of being there in person. Well, let me share for the metaphysicians out there that uh, think that everything of the old school is bad are not good because in uh, America, folks, uh, we have the greatest metaphysician in the world was called Yahshua, and there's said to be five of him over in the old school and depending on the old traditions, but you can read about all the floods. There's many flood stories, at least five. But I want to read something to you here that will make you understand. We, we preach about the eternal soul, and Jesus, of all people, was a metaphysician. We say the greatest metaphysician after Solomon, although he didn't really compare himself with Solomon, but he talked about Solomon in the Abrahamic, meaning Abraham, Abrahamic faith, which is Christian, Muslims, and Jews. But uh, let me tell you, when Jesus was talking to people, before he went up, he had collected 12 disciples. So that's where we get the 12. And then it's like you can remember a dozen uh, disciples are people working together. There's a, a we call it a portal of opening the 12 uh, sky uh, levels of existence. And the 13th is the dirty dozen or the baker's dozen, depending on who you're talking to, <laughs> angel or demon. But anyway, so uh, Jesus came and he we're, we say 
Then he got a lot of his education over in uh, the old school religions before he was born. He went and studied the world religions in Tibet and other places, uh, Sanskrit, you know, the Akkadian uh, things that uh, Zoroastrianism and, you know, he Buddhism, all that stuff, created all that together because he's one of our ascended masters. We have several. But he taught in uh, – I'm going to, I'm just going to read it, okay? Because a lot of people in North America, at least, uh, actually in the UK and Europe too, but a lot of them go by the King James version. We can have whole all kind of shows on that. You can, you know, but we don't. Uh, we're not really the kind of evangelist on TV. We're on radio, but I'm going to tell you about the eternal life part. So one of the guys came and said, "Behold, one came and said unto." I'm reading Matthew. Good master, what? Good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life. So if Richard was asking me that, but I'm not Jesus, but let's say of the Jesus clan, okay, and the 12, and he's the baker dozen or the head is the 13th. But he said unto him, now this is in red in this, I'm quoting from the Holy Bible. It's King James Version, words of Jesus in red concordance with uh, giant print for your sage elders, old people. <laughs> So he said unto him, why callest thou me good? So remember he said, good master, Richard, you know, good master, yo, good master. So he said, why why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. So this gentleman, he said unto him, which Jesus said, thou shalt do, oh, he said unto him, which, question mark, like he said unto him, right, if you got that, God put if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. So this man said, which, question mark, like one word. Jesus said, here we go now, folks. If you want to know this God of the Bible, keep the commandments. And he said unto him, which, Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, this young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give it to the poor. But thou hast that and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And the young man heard this, saying, He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. When the disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus, Yahshua, but Jesus in this Bible, but Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have, therefore? 
And Jesus said unto them, meaning more than Peter, because about 12 are sitting there with him, Verily I say unto you, that ye have, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, or Israel, as we say in the South. And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my namesake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And he went out about the third hour, saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. And again he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said unto them, Why stand you here all the day idle? They said, and they said unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyards, and what servers right there shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came, they were hired. About the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. <laughs> but when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more money than they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and there has made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto thee last, even as unto thee. It is not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own. Is thine I evil, because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. Okay, so that's all in red. And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took his 12 disciples on the way and said unto them, Behold, we go to Jerusalem. The Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priest and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to earth and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. That's what all of us non-Jews were called, Gentiles, to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. So you guys know that story, right? But isn't that interesting? That's before uh, he goes up into Jerusalem and they, you know, goes before King Herod. All of y'all know the story of that and the crucifixion and uh, how he was on the cross and the third day he was rose. You know, they moved the rock from the tomb and all that. Most of you that follow Christianity 
so, you know, it is about eternal life. And Jesus, whether you believe he walked on earth or not, it's up to you. But the story that he told is one of the oldest stories ever about eternal life and regeneration. So, Richard, can you comment on that story? I'm sure you've read it a few thousand times as well, or maybe at least a hundred. But you know the story, right? And so Jesus is the greatest metaphysician, of, and when we, he is one of our ascended masters. So yes. uh, it's just one of the many schools, one of the many masters. But he didn't, you know, he didn't even claim to be good. He was very humble. <laughs> I don't know too many people that are that humble. But it was pretty hard to be perfect back then. So what a lot of people in the metaphysical world believe is he was a man. He walked the planet. He got educated as a child. He got married, had kids, and uh, but. A lot of the uh, earth religions in Christianity that broke off from Catholicism and his mother Mary that was blessed, you know, with a sacred room and, you know, the angel came and talked to her and uh, told her, Gabriel, that she was going to have a, a blessed child from an eternal source or mortal or God, so to speak. So there's all kind of stories out there. And uh, I guess in a way, as uh, we learn all these stories in uh, world religions, there's many uh, different religions. And the earth has the story of the floods more than anything, that people came uh, and cleansed the earth, and they didn't like some of the people they made. So they said, you guys aren't doing what we thought. And the angels had uh, the giants. There were some people up there, heavenly divine beings, that intermixed, and uh, they were they saw the women on the earth. So apparently, the stories in the Bible, if you read with an open mind, you can learn a lot, whether you believe it's history or not. But any book you read, any book you read, you have to discern. So who knows if all these stories are real unless you've experienced them, and you really need to believe in eternal life regeneration and that you're an immortal soul and i don't know how to get you to understand that except to teach you how to go in and find your inner soul as we say behind the eyes uh inside your your mind and brain and your uh sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system as it all works as a spirit inside the energy if you've ever seen anyone pass over or your relatives leave and I've had to see my daughter pass and my husband pass in with my eyes and it's not a pleasant sight on either because neither of them wanted to go and they suffered greatly leaving their bodies it was not fun uh, and you have to watch the heart and the blood pressure and everything shut down but the spirit, I have to believe in eternal progression. And Richard, it's something, a want, a need, a desire, a wish, a wellness, a believing, a hope. It's a knowing and you express it with words. And that's what, as a Christian, that means you believe that Christ existed. And the Jews are said to still be looking for Christ to come. Many of them are Messianic Jews believing in the Messiah and I was called one of those in Hawaii because I believed uh, of all the Abrahamic faiths 
but the main one was the Christian that Jesus walked because everything I believed in metaphysics taught me that he was the one that did the most miracles and helped the most people, and he showed the way off the planet. (laughs) And his way, it was said that if you go through his portal and through his way of leaving and regenerating and going as an ascension being, that was what he taught, ascension. So ergo, what we get is he was standing on, after he had already risen once, to show people, look, folks, you know, this body here is temporary, and you can come and go as you please. But at that time, to restore faith, hope, and charity, and the greatest is love, he taught us that we are more than our body. And he took a couple of guys standing there, and he ascended. But now, I can't say I could do that and show you how it's done, but I can tell you that I do it all the time. And Richard, I believe we all do that, a part of us in our spirit, once we learn to detach our spirit, which uh, some of us say we're knocked out of our body. We learn out of body connections. Some take uh, the mush or the herbal way with hallucinogenics to learn how to have out of body. I don't recommend that, but some people have to to get that feeling. Some can get that euphoric feeling from music and going out and dancing themselves into a shaman ritual type of way of knocking yourself out. It's like spinning around. (laughs) So there's all kind of people that do all that, and we've had them on the planet. But, Richard, how could you share? You're talking about going inner, and a lot of people use meditation some, you know, have to spin and get dizzy to separate themselves. But there's got to be some easier ways. I've got lots of ways to teach in my books that were handed down to me or given me ways to teach other people. But do you have any special way that you've learned as a, as an elder, one of our sage elder, to teach people how to know their eternal, immortal soul is separate from their physical? Because that's Jesus was trying to teach that. You know, if you want to live immortally, go where he goes or do what he does. Well, well yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, basically every time we, we we obtain an altered state of awareness, we are partly here and partly not here. So you could say when you expand your consciousness, uh, you are leaving behind your physical self or putting your physical self on autopilot because the body knows how to survive in and of itself. It's coded that way. Uh, However, in order for it to have full-blown intelligence and the personality of your soul and the animation by your spirit, then, of course, your spirit needs to be completely housed therein. Now, I do believe wholeheartedly that we all transit into the astral plane on a nightly basis. Uh, The majority of us don't have memories thereof. We also, of course, have vivid dreams, and a vivid dream is distinguished from a regular dream in the fact being that you can actually mentally and emotionally take control of the dream so that the person you're seeing through the eyes when you're entering the dream, you actually see as a full-blown person or as yourself. And so, therefore, you, became, you become a participant in the dream and you interact with what 
is going on in the dream and even to a certain extent take full control of what the dream has to show you. And so that's what a vivid dream is. Now, a transit to the astral plane, uh, again, the astral plane is the astral plane. It's, it's, it's a mental place, basically, where you go and you have experiences by having conversations with others. Uh, you can also utilize it as a means to trans, as a portal, more or less, to transport your, your spiritual awareness and your mental consciousness to another place in time while your body is laying in bed at rest. Okay? I have done this numerous times when I am going to check on the well-being of others, such as friends or family members. Um, you know, I have transited from Georgia to California and Georgia to Oregon and Georgia to New York and, and all over the place um, at times, even from here to Austria and, and other countries for that matter. And these are intentions voiced mentally. Now, of course, uh, I am used to being in an altered state. So how do you teach people to, be, to get into an altered state? Well, the simplest thing, of course, is to become totally, completely relaxed and to allow your mind chatter or the voice of your mind to fade away and your body basically to also sort of fade away in the fact being that you're no longer concerned with the senses of your body because you're, you are already aware that your body is in a safe place and not going to be tampered with in your absence. So uh, deep meditation, yes, that's, that's a very easy means. However, it, it requires some practice. Um, if I were to say an, an easier means, um, perhaps I would have to say outward focus, such as music, such as dance, such as uh, looking at fire, uh, looking into water, sitting by the ocean. All of these places are, they have the vibration and the frequency that allows concentrated focus to shift or alter your awareness. Okay? I mean, I know that when I go and sit by the ocean and I have cares and concerns and worries, I just allow the ocean waves to come in, and as they come in, they pick up all of my worries and concerns, and as they go out, they take away all my worries and concerns. So I find myself in a very, very peaceful place mentally and emotionally. So there are all kinds of very simple means, and yet at the same time, they are also bringing you to the same state of awareness as deep meditation would be, because your focus is outside of yourself and yet inside of yourself at the same time. That's the best way I know to describe it because uh, as I sit by the ocean, I'm mentally and emotionally concerned about things and I'm focusing on the ocean as a means to take these worries and concerns from me. So I'm in a state of meditation in the fact being that the worries and concerns I'm focused upon are now leaving me and the exigent, the, the, the means by which they're being taken away is the ocean. Now Christ, of course, taught a great many things that you will not find anywhere printed in the Bible. Uh, there are a great many apocryphal texts. Uh, there is the Dead Sea Scrolls because Christ also walked amongst the Essenes. 
As a matter of fact, Christ, when he was here, he had numerous names because he walked many paths in many countries. Uh, and so he taught a great many people all over the world and not strictly uh, in the Judaic community, okay, or amongst uh, the Israelites and so forth. He also taught the Indians. He also taught uh, a lot of other Middle Eastern cultures and so forth, and even traversed around Africa and so forth, but under, again, different personalities and different names. And again, this will not be prescribed because it was not condoned by King James or any of the other uh, what you would call authority figures that allowed the Bible to be created. However, what he taught was the fact that, and this is, this is the, the keynote and the truth and the basis of it all, and that is that the body is temporary and the spirit is eternal. So when you start talking, turning inward, your focus is upon your spirit and no longer upon your body, your mind, or your emotions. Your focus is purely on your spiritual being. And as you do this, you in turn gain what is called, uh, at first you could say it's psychic experiences or telepathy or expanded awareness in regards to your psychic gifts, which are all innate within each and every one of us. Okay? They only have to, you only have to earnestly ask for them to transpire, and they do transpire. Um, but your focus is purely spiritual. In other words, you are no longer focused upon your comings and goings in the earth, your relationships with others in the earth, your uh, relationship with your environment, your relationship with where you're at or what you have or what you don't have. All of these various concerns fade away because your focus is upon your eternal self. And it is part of yourself, okay? There, there, that's another thing. There is no separation. In other words, your spirit is what animates your body. It is, it is a part of you, and it is the sustenance of you, and it derives its sustenance from the creation of all. Um, as Christ taught, you know, uh, you should not. And, of course, there are, there are numerous Buddhist and Vedic texts that teach you the same thing the state of non-attachment. In other words, you can have many things in life as long as you are not attached to them. It's when you become attached to them that you err. Because uh, if you're not attached to anything, you can readily give anything to anyone at any given time and not be concerned about it. But if you're attached to them, then in turn you want to hold on to them and, and remain in possession thereof. Um, so yes, now no, I cannot sit here and transmog not, uh, transmogrify my body. In other words, I cannot completely leave or take my spirit out of my body in such form that it would be recognizable physically, energetically to others, and then in turn bring it back into my body where others could actually uh, witness it. Now, can it be measured by machines? Yes, it can be measured by machines. However, we are yet to develop a machine that would truly measure this in total. Uh, I, too, have borne witness to those in passing, sometimes under very dire circumstances, and other times where basically they had simply gone to sleep, and, that was, and you could actually see the energy of their spirit withdraw from their physical form, and sometimes they're greeted by other spirits and assisted in going to wherever they need to go next 
And other times they are greeted by a, a light, a, a golden white light that just comes down like a shaft and shines on the body and boom. Once the light is there, the spirit of, in, in house in the body begins to ascend and the next minute you know the light's gone and so is the spirit. So I've seen this happen in a great many ways. Um, but yes, we are all immortal, we are all eternal, and these bodies are vessels through which we learn a great many lessons, or perhaps we are here for a specific purpose or a specific mission. And in turn, when we are, you know, once we have accomplished that mission, then in turn we go home. So uh, I don't know how to adjudge necessarily the age of a specific soul, but then you see that was another teaching of Christ. He said, judge not lest ye be judged. And I hold this very dearly in my heart and try my very best not to judge other people. I do judge their actions because naturally their actions are going to influence or affect me in some way, and I must determine then in turn what my response or my reaction to their action is going to be. So yes, I mean, it is common sense to judge actions because naturally what another person does in your immediate vicinity is going to influence how you react to that action of theirs or create a reaction of your own. Um, and no, of course, as human beings, none of us are perfect. If we were perfect, we wouldn't be here. And that's why I like to say that, yes, in a manner of speaking, this is a school of learning. Now, who is actually teaching us? That's a very, very good question because if we take it from a standpoint that we all map out our lives and basically determine what interactions we will and what will and won't have and what experiences we will and won't have and then in turn go through a stage of forgetfulness as to who we are and where we came from and exactly why we're here um, it makes you wonder are, are we teaching ourselves are we learning something you know uh, I think it is more so the experience necessarily than it is the actual lesson itself. Because naturally through experience, not only do we gain the experience, but we also garner knowledge. And then, of course, the more knowledge you accumulate, then in turn it turns to wisdom. Because the wisdom is what guides you not to make the same mistakes. Or if you wish something specific to happen, what it is you need to do to make that happen. So... Do I have an ultimate answer of an easy way to prove to oneself that you are totally immortal? Not really. Um, however, there are very, very many easy ways to uh, alter your state of consciousness. Uh, and, of course, it is all derived upon focus. Your focused attention is what determines uh, what it is that you experience next. So if your focused attention is on your spirit or the energetic essence and consciousness of your innermost being or your spiritual self, then in turn, of course, the more you continuously turn your focus to your spiritual self through meditation, stillness, outward focus such as music or dance, anything that brings you joy, um, anything that, that makes you feel blissful, anything that, makes, that brings you um, a state of contentment, I would say, is what allows you access to the 
inner awareness of the existence of your spirit. And I guess that would be the best way I can put it. Yeah, and you know, folks, uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of years have beings come here before and after Jesus. But, uh, you know, if you wonder about miraculous energy uh, in all relation to beings coming and going from the planet, uh, there's one story that I know a lot of people relate to about the fig tree that he came, uh, he was hungry. Jesus was hungry over in Bethany. It's a city over in the old country, you know, close to Jerusalem, okay? But uh, he was hungry one morning, and he uh, was with, you know, his people, his disciples, but he saw a fig tree. Now, this is the story of the fig tree that metaphysicians talk about because it's a sign of faith, (laughs) So he found something there. There was no food. He was hungry, and he found a fig tree, and in the way he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only and said unto it. So it's only leaves, okay? So he walked up. This is Matthew uh, twenty-one seventeen. It says, he left them and went out to the city and to Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree, he found nothing thereon but leaves, and only, and said unto it. Now, this is what Jesus said. Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. <laughs> now, depending on who you are, <laughs> why would he curse that fig tree, okay? It doesn't say he cursed it, but he wouldn't let anything grow on it because he was hungry. So, and presently, the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you. Now, this is in red. Okay, this is what Jesus is saying. If ye have faith and doubt not, and doubt not, okay, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, But also, if you shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Now, that's Jesus talking to these people, okay? Now, you know, he was hungry. And he goes to a fig sure. tree, nothing but leaves there. So <laughs> I would have made some figs, I think, instead of – so I don't get that except why did they put that in this – you know, they they chose certain scriptures and certain stories. So this is Matthew, but it says that he came into the temple and the priest and the elders came into it. What authority does thou have doing these things, okay? And he said, I also will ask you – one thing, which if you tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what author authority I do these things. The baptism of John, which was it, from heaven or from men? So they reasoned, thought about it, and said, if you, shall, if you shall say, from heaven he will say unto us, why did you not then believe him? But if you shall say of men, we fear the people of all Hold John as a prophet. 
So they answered, Jesus, because these guys are wanting to say the right thing. Uh, Jesus, and he, they, they answered Jesus, we cannot tell. He said to them, now this is in red, neither tell you by what authority I do these things, but what think ye? A certain man, he's always teaching in parables. So also on a closing note, to, since we're, we're about well, to be out of time. <laughs> yeah. You know, glad to, glad to add that. But I, I I just wanted to say not only are we immortal and eternal, but we can do things if we believe we can. So that's the moral of that story. <laughs> exactly. Because he talked a lot. So of the sage elders, Richard, what would you like to close out our Sunday show, August, what, 15th? Yep. 13th is Friday, so this is the 15th. And I, folks, as you get older, the years go by so fast, it's like days when you're a kid. Richard, do you remember when you were a kid and your mother said you could go down for an hour to play? Uh, maybe you didn't, your grandmother. But anyway, when I was a kid, we lived in a subdivision, that so you can go down and play with Don and Diane Haynes, the, the twins, for an hour, but come back. Anyway, and I'm just saying the hour was a long time. That's my parable. <laughs> Yes. Well, we've we've done spent two hours in the glorious presence of each other and all those who have had the the kind year to listen to all our ramblings. But anyway, the, the, the foremost the foremost note is that we are immortal, and yes, we are capable of doing anything. Ask and you shall be given. Knock on the door and it shall be opened to you. Uh, in in those verses and those verses alone, it tells you that any and everything is possible purely by the belief, the faith that you hold within yourself. If you believe yourself to be... I find that that he said twice. He said, many are called, but few are chosen. I thought well, uh, that's again, something that... Again, you have to, you have to consider that that might well be man's interjection as well. Okay? Well, all the words in the Bible, but some people believe it's pure... Uh, Driven by God's eternal everything, well, all is vibration. I'm not and one of those people, more, even though I am, even though I am a theologian. I'm not one of those people. Okay, I have read it in all the languages say, that it's produced in. Say what we say, folks, in all world religions is, uh, and we believe that it is man's word as long as it's translated correctly. I learned that from the LDS Church. The white men's church. <laughs> Latter day Saints. Anyway, all truths are inevitable for all truths spoken eventually play out. All truths are spoken, and each individual is unique. There is no two alike, which is very, very strange. So, whatever game this is in the game of life, folks, we hope you will play it with us and stay alive and thrive and, and be good. And say good words and be positive about life because it's very short. And this is a very short distance before we regenerate and go to another place in space. Some call heaven, some call hell. Or maybe this is hell. Who knows? But the thing is, you are an individual and we we find out we thrive better among company. So if you'd like to join us, we appreciate tuning in every Sunday. And we will do our best to share some words of wisdom and uh, 
Richard, I enjoy how you use your philosophy and how you think. So we'll come up with another topic next week, folks. Uh, Richard, come up with something, would you? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we appreciate you listening, and I appreciate your company and all the good words and all the good thoughts that we have spoken. Okay. On, Thank you, Richard. On that, what note, on that note, much love and light to all. Okay. Thank you, Richard. I guess that's it, folks, because we're a little over time here. Thank yep. you, Richard. Okay, folks. We'll see you uh, sometime during the week, and next Wednesday, I guess, uh, we'll do something, and we will see you next uh, time you see us here, at least Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays, I believe. Love and light, everybody, and I hope uh, we're all going to be alive the next few thousand years, eternally. When you're down and troubled and you need some love and care and nothing, nothing's going right. Close your eyes and think of me and soon I You've got a friend when people can be so
got a friend. 